0: Hi there, and welcome to A Different Way of Seeing. Have you ever wondered how a disabled person lives their life? Join our host, Lois Drachen, as she chats to people about work, education, trouble, sport, the arts, and leisure, and the tools and techniques they use to live their lives with the disability. And now on with the show.
1: Before we dive into today's interview, I have a huge, exciting announcement. Well, it's exciting for me, and I hope that maybe you'll share in my excitement. The audio version of my book, A Different Way of Seeing, A Blind Woman's Journey of Living an Ordinary Life in an Extraordinary Way, is finally available On audible.com. It's also on a couple of the other audiobook retail outlets, but this is the big one for me. And I will share the link to that book in the show notes, and would really help me if you could download it and give it a try. Thanks so much. Right. And now on with the interview. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of A Different Way of Seeing a podcast where we talk all things disability. I'm your host, Lois Strachan. Now, today we're going to be returning to a topic that is of great passion of mine, well, sort of, and that is related to travel, but it's maybe not quite what you think. And I'm also gonna be doing something a little bit different because I'm handing control of this uh, session over to a friend and colleague, Jeremy Opperman, who's been on the podcast before, and we will be hearing more from Jeremy in the near future. But today, Jeremy's going to chat to me about a rather unusual experience that I had recently. Hi there, Jeremy. How are you doing?
2: Yeah, Lois, it's so good to be back. And thank you very much. Um, And thank you for that intro. And uh, yes, as I say, it's uh, good to be back, and I'm looking forward to doing some more of this with you in the future. Absolutely. So today, <laughs> so today, I'm going to be um, swapping seats with uh, Lois and and going to be driving a little bit, because Lois had a very interesting experience recently, and it happened to be on the 20th of May recently, and it involves South African Guide Dog Association, and it involves believe it or not, an aeroplane. And so here we go. So on the 20th of May, Lois found herself at Cape Town International Airport, not on the domestic side or not on the airline side, but in the back end near the little aeroplane side, where she and her guide dog Fiji um, found themselves, well, Fiji found himself, herself being interviewed or rather being photographed in front of a little plane. And this is in all in order of the upcoming calendar of South African Guide Dog Association. I don't want to spoil it. The calendar is, is going to be a wonderful surprise when it comes out. But let me let me kick off straight away by asking. So, Lois, you and Fiji landed up at the airport, and I take it Fiji alone was being photographed in front of the airplane, not you as well?
1: Primarily, yes. And the the, the calendar really does feature the beautiful guide dogs or service dogs or guide dogs in training. So there was a certain amount of um, negotiations that needed to be made to convince my young guide dog Fiji to sit quietly, to stare at the camera and smile as required, because Jeremy, you as a guide dog owner yourself, you know that the dogs believe that their place is with you, their owner. That's
2: right. And, of course, and you were standing away from her this time and she could probably see you, I'm assuming.
1: Well, technically speaking, she kept trying to watch me or every now and then she would get up, run over to me to check that I was okay. And in fact, what we landed up having to do was I had to stand behind the photographer or Fiji would not look at the camera. It's just yeah. Yeah. because her attention was so focused on me,
2: yeah. the human. Yeah, I can believe that. I yeah. can believe that. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: I've had that. I've had a similar thing. And I remember in training, you know, we have to do that trick where we make them stay and then we walk away. Um, yeah. And it's hard, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. So, what on earth were they doing filming a dog or guide mm-hmm. dog in front of a little aeroplane?
1: Well, the theme of the 2023 calendar, as I understand it, is about places and experiences where guide dogs are allowed and and it's about accessibility. So one of the things that they wanted to do was to express that guide dogs are allowed on aircraft. And obviously the logistics of photographing a small dog with a big jumbo jet or something like that would be a whole lot more complicated. But it just so happened that the photographer knew someone who is a pilot of a small plane and they negotiated, they they arranged that we would be able to be photographed with my dog next to a small two-seater airplane. I'm not quite sure that my dog totally understood what all this was about, because I think she just thinks that sometimes humans do strange things, but um it just works quite nicely and And the photographs that have come out, I believe, are really fantastic.
2: Well, she's a very good photographer. I've seen her work before. Rob, I haven't is, yes. seen it. I've heard I've heard of her work before. And so, so then you take photographs at the airport and then what happens?
1: <laughs> <clears throat> well, in fact, that story goes back a little bit further than that because, The the pilot of the plane, Rian, suggested that seeing as he was going to be there and take the plane out, how would it be if the owner of the guide dog went for a spin in his aeroplane? And one of the reasons they actually asked Fiji and I if we would be prepared to do this particular shot is that Tanya, who's the photographer, she read a previous a blog of mine from my Beyond Site blog Where I spoke about trying out adaptive scuba diving And Tanya thought, well, if Lois is happy to try out scuba diving She might be adventurous enough to go up in a two-seater plane
2: At this point, I just got to say that it, this is a good thing This is an audio podcast and not video Because I am actually green at the moment <laughs> with forget envy, just pure unadulterated jealousy at this point. So I'm assuming you said yes. And um, so they negotiated that with you up front, right, before you got there on the the morning of the 20th.
1: Well, again, I wanted to take it back one step because the, the evening before we went through for the photo shoot, Tanya contacted me and she said, the pilot just wants to know how do you feel about doing acrobatics? And my brain went, <laughs> not a chance.
2: Wow. How cool. I'm, oh, I'm, my God. Even look, more. jealous, jealous, jealous.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm not an adventurous person. So when I saw the, right. word, yeah, heard yeah, the word acrobatics, yeah. my brain kind of switched <laughs> off. And then I thought about it for a second. And my response to Tanya was something along the lines of, let's wait and see. And it really came down to the fact that I wanted to understand a little bit more from the pilot of what was involved in that word, acrobatics, or more technically, aerobatics.
2: Right, right, right. And, right. and so, and let's let's go to, so, let's, go to yeah. the, let's go to the let's go to what happened? So at the at the at the shoot now that we've had all these um, intricate negotiations, uh, <laughs> um, with some misgivings <laughs> from our friend Lois.
1: Uncertainty, not misgivings.
2: Uncertainty, ah, <laughs> uncertainty. Okay. And then what happened? So I'm assuming now that somebody had to grab somebody had to grab Fiji, um, and you grabbed the airplane. What happened? So
1: essentially. Um, Cheryl, who's one of the guide dog trainers Who was with us on the shoot She took Fiji My dog got really upset about being left behind And I then
3: (laughs) A little like me, yes
1: You're not the only ones, I have to say There are quite a few people in that queue Um, But essentially The first interesting part was Negotiating how to get into the aeroplane because you stand on a, a almost a step on the side mm-hmm. of the plane on the fuselage, mm-hmm. and then you have to stand next on the wing. But there's a part of the wing that you cannot touch. And I assume it's one mm-hmm. of the flaps or something like that. And being yes, unsighted, yes. you have to know where that spot is.
2: In fact, if I recall, there's probably a little, uh, there's a little, um, Area where it's quite rough. It's it's got a a um pad there for you to stand on. I remember that from from when I was younger. Carry on.
1: So it was about finding where that was, then navigating because I'm short. So you know, my my short legs stretching to get from one spot to the next. It became quite interesting. And I there was one point. In fact, we have a photograph of this of me sitting on the top of the, um, the, the the cockpit with my legs on the wing trying to figure out what am I going to do next? But anyway, I managed to find my way over the side of the cockpit into the plane, figured myself out and landed up sitting where I should have been in the seat. Excellent.
2: Excellent. And so Um, Right, sir, and then he was obviously seated next to you and um, go for it let's hear let's hear the story I'll I'll, I'll interject where necessary
1: (laughs) I think that the first thing that I I do want to say is that you know the usual seat belt that you get on an airplane which just goes across the hips this one also Mm. had two straps over the shoulders Mm. and it apart from that it was little bit like a normal plane in that the seat was quite comfortable you have to be sitting comfortably but there's also the airplane controls the stick is there Mm. between your knees and there are pedals in front of your feet now this is where me being short is a good thing because I didn't have to worry about those because my legs couldn't couldn't reach reach
2: them you couldn't reach the pedals
1: couldn't reach the pedals
2: I knew you were, knew you were that short. Actually, Lois, this is going to be a joke. This is going to be a joke going forward.
1: <laughs> and yet, you've <laughs> met me, Jeremy. So you should be able to hear where my voice comes from. And we we then did all the um, the negotiations with the tower, figured out when we were going to be taking off, and then we got into queue behind two commercial airplanes and landed up heading off down the runway.
2: Wow. how oh, cool. And it's Now, Tom, I'm going to interject here for hmm. a moment. Have you ever been in a little airplane before?
1: I have. When oh, I have? was still sighted, I went in a six-seater airplane as a teenager. Um, and that was up in Durban North in the Virginia airport. And then more recently, my stepbrother, who is a pilot, took uh, my husband and myself In a little plane, he's got a. He had a um, a four seater, and okay. So
2: you're not you're not a complete newbie when it comes to this.
1: No, but I haven't been in a plane for a number of years, and certainly never in one as small as this. Having felt my way around the aeroplane, I knew exactly how big it was, and sure, I, I had I had this mental picture of what it must be like from the outside, seeing this. Tiny little aeroplane, which is about the size of two motor cars, perhaps.
2: Mm, mm, Trundling mm. down
1: the runway.
2: You're gonna hurt his feelings if you say trundling, actually. I I think they actually think they move quite fast on their in their own right.
1: Well, (laughs) yes, but okay, traveling. Is it that a little bit better?
2: That's better.
1: Traveling down the runway behind a hundred-seater commercial plane. And just the 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 visual imagery of that appealed to me. Yes, so, yes. And
2: we, that makes it, that that might make quite an interesting picture if it was possible. Probably wasn't, but it might have been an interesting picture had it been possible. Correct. The following, you know.
1: Yeah. Um, I do actually have one photograph taken from the the cockpit itself, looking out as we went past some of the um, big commercial airliners. The the big Boeings, the 747s and the 737s, things like this, and feeling quite small, in fact.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah
1: And we duly took our spot and took off. And we were airborne.
2: We headed. Now now what's that like? So from a from a non-sighted point of view. Um you know, I haven't been in an aeroplane since I could see something. It wasn't much, but you know, I still had a great perception of 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 sky and clouds and things. I couldn't really see the ground when I flew last. I flew last at university. Uh, so it would have been in nineteen nineteen eighty-six. Um, and I definitely had more vision than I have now. So what's it like? Because you have absolutely no vision. So there's no perception of uh the the environment around you, the sky, you know. So what's that like, actually?
1: Well, there's no visual perception, but it is still an experience that one takes in through all one's <clears throat> other senses. So there's a very definite feeling of gathering speed as you go down the runway. And you can actually feel that lift off as the, the front wheel lifts off the ground and then the the, the rear wheels follow it. Um it's quite a it's not abrasive but certainly the plane moves and shudders which can be felt Mm. and also the sound and the sound plays a big role in that around the the experience of being in the plane there's the the sound of the um all the the airline conversation from the the traffic controllers and the plane and things like that—that's all going on as well. So there, there is still a lot of perceptual input. It's right. just right. not visual. This
2: is this, of course, is unlike our, our all, all. I mean, all of us. I'm sure many of us and our, many of our listeners, of course, would have would have um, would have flown in airlines. I mean, we've flown hundreds of times. But it's different, isn't it? I mean, you feel distinctly like a passenger. You might as well be in a train, frankly. But this is very different because you're quite close to the business end.
1: Well. Yes and no, and I suppose it's been two or three years now since I've been in a in a in a big airliner. But for me, the experience was much the same in terms of being able to sense as things were happening. I do find that the the noise component, while it was very different, was not dissimilar, and the sensation. I I, I think I'm very aware to that sense of that that kind of tactile sense so i'm very aware of the movement of planes trains cars any vehicle that i'm in
3: right and
1: it's very similar in fact for me it was very similar to being in a bigger plane just a little bit more intense
2: okay okay so let's hear a bit did he did he throw the thing about a bit (laughs)
1: Not not in so many words It's a real
2: boy It's a real boy (laughs) (laughs) So let's let's, just get to some excitement here Did he chuck it around a bit?
1: (laughs) Not at first And I guess that was because I had expressed a little bit of uncertainty About whether I would be willing to try some aerobatics And Hmm. he, he started off by saying, well, we can just fly across um, Paul, that sort of area, or we can see in yeah. how it goes. And the first thing that we did, he said, well, how do you feel about experiencing 2G, which is double okay. gravitational force?
2: Right. And I said, well, let's give and it a try. how did he do that? Was it, did he do that in a turn, a steep turn? Is that how he that managed it? That was just
1: it? an acceleration, I think. There, there might have been okay. a turn as well, but I, I wasn't – as aware of the movement of the plane at that particular moment. Um, So it was just really allowing me to experience what double the gravitational pull was like on my body. And that was an interesting experience because it really felt like there was a heavy weight pushing my body downwards or compressing it.
3: Yes, of course, yes, yes.
1: And it didn't last for too long and, and, and then kind of returned back to normal and he kind of asked me what I had felt, how it, it had been and what the experience had been like for me. And it was one of the things that, in fact, the pilot was quite curious about was to see what I would experience and how I would describe that experience so that he could gain okay. that knowledge as a sighted person as well.
3: Right, right.
1: Yeah, so I, I explained about how it felt like this heavy weight pushing me down into the seat, not not so much pushing me backwards into the seat, but just pressing down on me. I guess is easier. And right. then he then he asked the the the, the, the fateful question. Yes. Would I like to try doing a
2: roll? Ah, great. <laughs> okay, and what did you say? I said yes. <laughs> Excellent.
1: And it really. Was I wanted to get a bit of information from him about how long it would take, and what he thought I would experience, and what you know what, what he would actually be doing, and I just wanted that as a almost as a sense of context to see what I might be experiencing as I was trying to interpret it, and all of the information was given to me, and then we did the first roll.
2: So tell me about the roll.
1: The first experience I had was again, accelerating and I think the plane lifted. So we, we did go up in altitude and then he turned the plane to the left and then he flipped the plane over and then back to the horizontal again. Okay,
3: Okay, so it was quite quick.
1: The whole thing took about seven or eight seconds.
3: Right.
1: Possibly a little bit longer. And what did I experience at the time was initially that sense of the compression on my body, the heavy weight. Mm -hmm. I could feel the plane going to the left and starting to turn. And it was so incredibly smooth.
3: Yes.
1: And then I suddenly felt that my body was being stretched.
2: And it remained
1: that way for a second or two. And then everything returned to normal.
2: And it was. So, in other words, I suspect that was probably when you were inverted. Um, Did you have a sense of being upside down?
1: I didn't interpret it in that way. I I just, (laughs) I was feeling rather than interpreting at that stage and it was only when we spoke about it afterwards that I realized that must have been the moments that I was upside down but I was still trying to just get over the the sense that there hadn't been this sense of flipping sideways and rolling and that was what really astounded me that I was feeling compressed, then very little, and then stretched, and then very little, and then back to normal.
2: Yep, I guess that's it. So interesting, eh? So there was no – I've always wondered about that because I've never – I mean, I, I flew a lot when I was at university. Um, I had a friend with a pilot's license, so he, every opportunity we had, we mm. did. And, but we never had the opportunity of doing anything exciting at all, um, especially anything like roles. And, and so, I mean, that's fascinating about the being. I've always wondered what it was like to be inverted briefly or even extensively. But did he do anything more beyond that? Yes.
1: Well, then we, oh. we did a couple of roles. So we did the left and then we did the right. And then we started playing. And ah. then the next role that we did, he held it with us upside down.
2: Ah, and? And?
1: That was because then I knew what to expect. Yes. And that became quite an experience in itself because now I knew what my brain was interpreting. I knew what I was feeling and why. Mm -hmm. So that that was then the next experience. And then the, the final one that was really interesting was that he held it at each of the 90 degrees.
2: Yes, yes, yes.
1: So flat, then rolling to the left. So the, the wings were pointed skywards and groundwards. Yes. Yes. Yeah. held Amongst that, yes. And then flipped over so that we were upside down and then continued the roll. So the, the, the wings were now facing that way again, but the other way around and then back to the horizontal. And that was the point at which my courage went, I'm done. Oh, really? Yeah, because he then said, would you like to try a loop? And I went,
2: I can't. (laughs) That's fair enough. That's fair enough.
1: (laughs) It was the experience, having experienced 2G to then have the experience of possibly going up to 3.5G, which I believe you do when you do a loop. I'm sure. And I just felt that my capacity to push my boundaries had been stretched enough for one day. However, having Mm. said that That was when he offered to let me fly the plane Which I got to do It wasn't for long And it was, I think for for me there The the amazing thing was How sensitive And how responsive the plane was You touch the stick Push it slightly, ever so slightly To the side And it turns Ever so slightly pull it back And it lifts. Amazingly. I I just couldn't believe how sensitive it was. Because it just, you don't expect that when you're just being a passenger.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Incredibly responsive. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing.
1: So I can't even tell you how long I flew the plane for. I can't be more than about 30 or 40 seconds. But that's still, you know, I have flown a plane.
2: That's terrific, eh? Hey? <laughs> and there's not a whole That's lot of terrific. people who can
1: forget to say that. And
2: no, exactly. Exactly. And
1: particularly as a totally blind person. I think that was that was part of the plan. And then we returned, we we finished off the flight, returned back to Mother Earth, and I got met by a highly excited guide dog <laughs> who was, Where did you go? What did you do? And why didn't I go with you? So yeah. Well, I was just
2: thinking, you know, no, it's just in a two seater plane, there would have been absolutely no space for Fiji, I don't think.
1: There would have been um, a tiny spot for her behind the two seats, but okay. I really don't think she would have been happy. And then there's also the, ex- well, we wouldn't have been able to roll with her in the plane. That would have been no, exactly. totally no, irresponsible. No, 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 you know? And what would no, you no, no, no. do yeah. in a tiny plane if she were to react nervously?
2: Indeed. No, 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 it would be hmm. insane. It would be like a bee in a bottle.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, not to mention dog bath all over the place, um, in a little plane, which would have been fun upside down. <laughs> so yes, I can completely understand, yeah. understand why he didn't, why yeah. he didn't take her. Well, yeah. Lois, that was and a wonderful story and and it's lovely to hear it from from your point of view and i love the analysis by the way of of the experience you know it's easy to say oh no i went up and i did this and i did that but i like the analysis it's very important for people to realize that without vision you know your experiences are completely changed um and and we we interpret things in a much more intense way actually um and so <clears throat> I think um, I think it was a wonderful story. I think one day maybe we should have a chat and I'll tell you about my time when I went skydiving 35 <laughs> years ago.
1: Um, um, <laughs> I don't think that's one I'll be trying. I think that might be one where I would say <clears throat> those boundaries don't get pushed quite that far. But one of the interesting <laughs> things, just going back to the flights, I posted a video of the one of the or two of the roles, one to the left and one to the right. Right. And the feedback that I got from people who watched the video was either, wow, well, that's amazing, I want to do it myself. Yeah. Or if you had been able to see it, it would have been far more alarming. And I think that that's possibly <laughs> true because I didn't have the visual cue sure. of yes. seeing the ground where the sky should be.
2: No, it's an point that. Yeah. Very, very, interesting. Very interesting. I didn't realize you'd posted the videos. Oh, well, there'll be an opportunity to post them again, <laughs> or rather <laughs> to allude to them True. Um, when you post this. And I think our time is running out. I've heard a couple of nudges already from uh, the beloved Zoom. And so I think I'm going to wrap up and say it was such a wonderful pleasure and privilege to interview you for once on your wonderful podcast about your experience. Um, and uh, I hope we can do this again.
1: Definitely, and thank you, Jeremy, for being able to to do this because it's not very often that I talk about my own experiences on the podcast, but just to remind people, if you want to find Jeremy, his platform is the Disability Desk and if I'm correct, it's disabilitydesk.co.za? Yeah,
2: so it's not the Disability Desk, it's just www.disabilitydesk.co.za.
1: So definitely check Jeremy out there. And otherwise, you know how to find me on all of my platforms and on the podcast, A Different Way of Seeing.
0: Thank you for listening to A Different Way of Seeing. We'd love to connect with you. So find Lois at loisstrucken.com or Facebook, Lois Strachen Speaker. This podcast was edited by Craig Strachen using Hindenburg Pro. Hindenburg, it's all about the story. The credits are done at Naledi Media. Naledi Media. All your vocal needs under one roof. Read by Charlie Jassy. That's it for now. Thank you for joining us and see you next time when we bring you into the world of seeing differently.